I'm John. And I'm John. We're classically trained conductors who are also working theater music directors. Each week, we'll tell you a little bit about shows we enjoy and why you should check them out if you haven't yet. This is Musical Minutes with John and John. Hello, John. Hello, John. How are you today? You know what? I'm doing pretty okay. How about you? Oh, you know, I'm better now. Uh, my kitchen sink was leaking this morning, but I've got it all fixed up, so I can use the water in my kitchen again, which is always a plus. I agree. <laughs> all right. Well, that makes a brilliant segue into today's show, which is all about plumbing. What are we talking about today, John? This week, we're talking about Evita with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber and book and lyrics by Tim Rice. Evita premiered on Broadway on September 25th, 1979, a year after the West End premiere, and ran for 1,567 performances before closing on June 26th, 1983. The show was directed by Harold Prince, choreography was by Larry Fuller, and the music direction by Renee Wiegert. The original Broadway cast included Patti Lapone as Ava Perone, Mandy Patinkin as Che, Bob Gunton, as Juan Perón and Mark Sayers as Augustine Magaldi. Avita was nominated for 10 Tony Awards and won seven, including Best Musical, Original Score, Book, Lead Actress, Featured Actor, Direction, and Lighting Design. Evita opens in a cinema in the capital city of Buenos Aires on July 26, 1952. The movie is interrupted by a public announcement. First Lady and Soul of the Nation, Ava Perone, has died. People pour into the streets in anguish, and the entire nation mourns the death of their beloved Evita. Amongst this anguish, Che, a man of Argentina, appears. He mocks the sorrow of the people, pointing out that while she may have been popular and beloved, Ava, alongside her presidential husband Juan, hurt the country deeply in almost every way possible. The next scene takes us back to 1934, where young Eva is living in Hunin. She catches the eye of August Magaldi, a tango singer who is touring throughout Argentina. He's infatuated with her, and she is able to convince Magaldi to take her to Buenos Aires, the capital. Establishing herself in the city, and quickly leaving Magaldi behind, she ingratiates herself into the creme de la creme of society by sleeping her way to becoming a radio star, a model, and actress. At the same time, Che tells of a growing military upheaval in the country and the emergence of Colonel Juan Perón. The city of San Juan is rocked by an earthquake, and Perón organizes a musical benefit to raise money for relief efforts. At the concert, Eva and Juan meet for the first time and are immediately entranced by each other. Once again, Eva ingratiates herself to Perón by implying that she can help him obtain the presidency of Argentina. He agrees, and Eva dismisses his mistress before moving in. Back in Buenos Aires... Eva is finding it somewhat difficult to find her place amongst some of the upper crust. They see her as just another scheming mistress who is trying to influence Perón, who is now officially running for president. Undeterred, she rallies the descamisados and lower classes of Argentina to support Perón, claiming he will elevate their status and give them a new hope. All the time, Perón is showing a dictatorial streak by ruthlessly eliminating as much opposition to his regime as possible. 
Act two opens on the balcony of Casa Rosada. Perón has won the presidency and has married Eva. Perón addresses the crowd, but the night is stolen by Eva, who pledges to work for the common folk of Argentina. Juan sends Eva on a tour of Europe to promote and legitimize his regime. She starts in Spain, where she is loved and adored. However, Italy is much more wary, comparing her and her husband to Mussolini. She recovers in France, where she is much more openly accepted. She continues the tour in England, where she is openly snubbed by the Queen, who invites her to one of the country estates instead of Buckingham Palace. Before moving to the next stop on the tour, Eva falls ill and returns home. Now back in Argentina, she throws herself into her work with her personal charitable foundation. But even that is dubious, as the money rolling in doesn't necessarily match the money that is rolling out. She visits a church to take communion when she faints and has a feverish dream where she debates with Che. He accuses her of using the people of Argentina for her own popular ends. She rebuts that there is no glory in trying to affect change from the sidelines, a jab at Che's dubious realness. In a moment of weakness, she admits to Che and herself that she is dying. He responds by pointing out to her that her husband's regime is killing the country as well. Meanwhile, the upper classes and military are growing tired and impatient with Perón's continued inclusion of Eva in the country's affairs. She is now demanding to be her husband's vice president. Perón responds that none of them would be where they are without her. But it's pointed out that the only one who has been really elevated in position is Perón himself. He begs Eva to reconsider, fearing a military coup if she insists on running in the election. Growing ever weaker from cancer, she agrees and withdraws from the race, citing that she can best serve her people outside the office. She makes a final broadcast where she swears her love for the Argentinian people and how she will always be with them in some form. As her life flashes before her eyes, she laments some actions, but asserts it was right to choose popularity over a longer life. She dies, and her body is prepared for internment. In a final monologue, Che tells of how Perón had started work on a great monument for his wife, but that only the base was completed before her body disappears for 17 years. Okay, so let's start right there, because that's really how the show ends singing about the body disappearing for 17 years and then it closes and it's very jarring and unresolved and confusing. So can we spread a little bit of light on to what that's all about? Well, this was actually a real thing and it kind of goes to the historical accuracy of the show, which according to some people is a little bit more accurate and according to others is a little bit more fanciful. But in fact, Eva Perón's body did disappear for 17 years. Her body was stolen, some say by the anti-Peronistas who opposed the government. Some say it was by Perón himself. Eventually, after Perón was deposed in the coup that he was always fearing coming, the military did admit that they were the ones who had smuggled her body out of the country lest she become a martyr for, the, for Perón's cause and was actually buried in Italy under the name Maria Maggi. So once this all comes out, Perone, who is now in exile with his third wife in Italy, 
they exhume the body and they take it to Spain where they actually put the body, I kid you not, in their dining room for several years. Terrifying. Then it, it, it gets weirder. Just wait, we're, we're, not, we're not off this train yet. Then Perón wins re-election again and his exile is over. And in 1974, he goes back to Argentina and becomes president again. This time with his third wife as his vice president. He then dies and his third wife becomes president. She's the one who finally brings the body home from Spain back to Argentina where it's buried in her family's crypt. Damn. Yeah. That's I, a hell of a post-life journey. Well, and it, it's funny to, not haha funny to think about, but it's interesting to think all of this happened about five years before this show opened. So Perón goes back, regains power in 1974, dies in 74, his wife becomes president and is president until 76, 76 is when the original concept for Evita was recorded. So at one point, this show was actually topical news of the day. That is, I mean, remarkably timely in a way you don't frequently see from musicals. Well, and it's, it's interesting because Perón's third wife, who becomes president when he dies, brings Ava's body home, finally interrs it. She's actually still alive. And in exile in Spain. It's just, did she take Ava's body back with her? She did not. Ava's body is still in the, her family's crypt. The Duarte crypt in Argentina does in fact include the remains of Ava Duarte Perón. Well, I think that's probably best. And I think it's probably time we got back to talking about the musical so, if you don't really know Avita, and I have to confess, I didn't really know this show before preparing for this podcast, you do probably know the song Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, which is kind of the big hit from this show. And I have to say, in listening to this show completely for the first time, I was a little struck by the fact that that's the big song. Not to take anything away from it, it's a lovely song, but it is an odd choice to pick as the hit because it's not exactly characteristic of a lot of hit songs it is kind of slow it's uh lament is not quite the right word but it's you know it, it's it's a plea and it just doesn't feel like a big star moment in the show i agree with you to a point there are a couple of other songs in the show that i felt are as good, if not a hair better, than Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. The big act one number, uh, Buenos Aires, where Magaldi takes Ava to the capital city for the first time, is this big Latin number with, with percussion and, and dance breaks. And it's, it's up-tempo, it's great, but in some ways I feel suffers a little bit from what you're talking about with Argentina, uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, it doesn't seem to give enough of a flow to stand on its own as a hit. 
maybe that's why Don't Cry For Me Argentina ends up becoming the recognizable number is because it is so expertly excerpted. It can be this beginning and ending moment from the show. Now, Evita is completely sung through. Ironically, with the exception of Che's final monologue where he talks about the body disappearing, there are no scenes in this show. Everything is sung. So even in Buenos Aires, the song leads in with with Ava convincing Magaldi, taking her to the city, and that takes us right into Buenos Aires, and then Buenos Aires takes us right into the next number. The only song in the show that really has that definitive starting and stopping moment is Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. And I think that's an absolutely fair point in terms of, you know, what can you excerpt from this show if you just wanted to perform a highlight? It's just, it is curious to me because again, not trying to take anything away from the song, Buenos Aires is a lot more enjoyable to listen to from my perspective. And there are several other moments as well that just musically seem better. But to your point, they don't have that excerptability that Don't Cry For Me Argentina does have. But... I think what you're talking about does lead itself to a larger issue and probably one of my biggest issues with this show is that there is a lack of identity that exists within the music of the show. Stylistically, it is all over the place. We have some great Latin numbers in Buenos Aires, in The Money Kept Rolling In. We've got a couple of really nice Broadway moments, for lack of a better term, in don't Cry For Me Argentina, in the opening Requiem for Evita, and in the closing Lament. But there's a lack of consistency. There's a lack of cognizant flow between a lot of these numbers, and it ends up being jarring as a result. Very much so. I mean, like I said, I was listening to this fully for the first time going through uh, for this podcast. And I actually reached out and, and asked you, I was like, are there scenes in this show that I'm missing? Because just listening to it, and I wasn't missing any scenes, I was just so confused because of the shift in musical tone from song to song and moment to moment. It it feels like even though it does all flow and you get all of the story and all of the plot as it's laid out listening to it, it, it feels like you're missing something because it just is, is so jarring, not only how rapidly it shifts, but how drastic the change in styles are. Like in the opening uh, Requiem for Evita, we go from what sounds like kind of a straight up Latin mass to almost a disco number. And then we jump from that. There's a little bit more of the mass feel in there. And then we come to what feels like sort of Puccini-esque string writing and it just it comes at you so fast and without any sort of transition it is just aurally confusing to listen to. You're absolutely right on that point and having done this show it makes it a bit of a challenge to teach because like you said it opens with, with the Requiem and then it takes us to a scene that's pretty much straight up operatic. There's no definitive tune or thematic idea. It's literally taking us from the end of the Requiem, introducing Ava and her machinations with Magaldi, and then getting us to point B of, okay, Magaldi has now taken us to, or taken Ava to Buenos Aires. That whole scene there 
is basically recitative and little songlets and interjections from her family. And then we have, again, a Broadway Latin number in Buenos Aires. It's one of those shows that I almost feel like you have to have a scorecard or a libretto or something in your hand to make sense of, because purely from an aural perspective, it doesn't have enough of that through threading to make it stand on its own. I'm going to absolutely agree with you and not try to argue in any way. So (laughs) if you would like to judge it for yourself, you can find uh, multiple different versions of this on Spotify. There are the original Broadway cast, the original London cast, the 1976 concept cast. My personal recommendation would in fact be the 2006 London Revival. It's one of the few recordings out there with an Argentinian woman as Ava, which is wonderful in its own right. But it also gives probably the most honest and sincere telling of the show. Well, that should just about do it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can drop us a line at musicalminutespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Musical Minutes with John and John or on Twitter at Musical Mins Pod. That's Musical M-I-N-S Pod. Intro and outro music, Bebop 25, is provided under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License by Jason Shaw on Audionautics.com. Thank you for joining us. I'm John. And I'm John. And we'll see you next time.